From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, August 17th, 2017. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. At DraftKings, every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season. And there's no better time to experience a new way to play daily fantasy baseball at DraftKings. It's called Arcade Mode. All you do is pick five hitters and one pitcher. That's right, just five hitters and one pitcher. I tell you about this literally every time I jump onto this podcast and hit the record button. It takes me 30 seconds to fill out a lineup, and you can put together a different lineup every single day for a chance to turn your love of baseball into cash prizes every single night. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C, and football is right around the corner. I cannot wait to put in my week one daily fantasy football lineup on DraftKings and Yep, once again, you'll be able to use my promo code throughout this upcoming NFL season. Uh, Welcome to the show on this Thursday early afternoon. Um, I have been gone for a little bit. Took a couple weeks off. I was out in Lake Tahoe. Now, I had never been to Lake Tahoe. And to be honest, before me and my friends made the plan to go to Lake Tahoe, uh, I... They brought it up, and I didn't even know where the fuck it was. I was like, Lake Tahoe? Where is that? So, um, (laughs) we were in Lake Tahoe. You might even be able to tell with my voice. Lost my voice a little bit. But just back into the swing of things this week, you know, before we do get all into the NFL season. But uh, a lot to get caught up on. I missed an awful lot. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and bore you with, you know, going over everything that I missed over the last two weeks, but there certainly is some things that jump out more than others that I will absolutely get to. Um, And we got some stuff going on this weekend and even the weekend after that. This weekend, we got SummerSlam with the WWE on Sunday in Brooklyn. Uh, The weekend after that, a week from this Saturday, we're going to have Mayweather versus McGregor. There's some news on that. I'll get to those things at the end of the show. Uh, Also, with regards to baseball, you know that I'm all in on the Boston Red Sox. I'm all in on the Major League Baseball postseason race and the postseason when it begins. The Red Sox are in first place in the AL East still. Uh, They are four and a half games ahead of the New York Yankees. And when you look at the standings right now in Major League Baseball, uh, the Red Sox, like I said, in first place, four and a half games ahead of the Yankees. Uh, the Rays in third place, they're 10 games out. So this is going to be a two-team race, but the Red Sox haven't won 12 of their last 14, doing their best to separate themselves from the entire pack in that division uh, before you even get to the month of September. So the Red Sox have been on an absolute roll. They've been on a roll without Dustin Pedroia. He's on the DL with a knee injury. They've been on a roll without David Price. Uh, He had a setback this week on Tuesday, so he did not throw yesterday like he was supposed to on Wednesday. So uh, that's where the Red Sox stand. They have the night off tonight on this Thursday, August 17th. 
They'll be back in action tomorrow to begin a weekend series tomorrow on Friday night against the New York Yankees at Fenway, where the Red Sox can once again try to take care of their own business and separate themselves from the pack for good. But uh, in, in the baseball world, and I think this does relate to when we talk about the Red Sox, because it seems to be a hot topic in this town and a big name that everyone's talking about, Giancarlo Stanton, outfield of the Miami Marlins, he was placed on waivers, and he has cleared waivers. And no surprise that Stanton cleared waivers. And to an extent, no surprise that Giancarlo Stanton uh, was even placed on waivers. I mean, that's something that you do see this time of year. As you know, when I've gone over the trade deadline rules, July 31st was the non-waiver trade deadline. You could trade anybody without putting them on waivers, but between that deadline on July 31st and August 31st, in order to trade a player in Major League Baseball that's on your 40-man roster, you need to place them on waivers first. A team can claim them. You can work out a trade with that team, or if they clear waivers, you can then trade that player to everybody. But what makes it complicated is just because, and I think this is being overlooked in this town. I mean, I'm, you know, I turn on sports talk radio. I turn on the TV. Again, I've been out of town. I've been out of the loop. And when I go off the grid, I go off the grid. I go off the grid. I'm out. Like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. And if anybody tries to tell me, I just don't give a shit. I am, when I'm off the grid, I'm off the motherfucking grid, okay? And so, you know, when, when I was off the grid... I didn't know any of this Stanton stuff was going on. So when I come back and I hear, you know, Giancarlo Stanton this, Giancarlo Stanton that, Red Sox should be interested. And people start proposing these fantasy trades, these these imaginary trades where they put their GM cap on. I'm not telling you I'm, I'm against that thought process or against that way of thinking because, as you know, I love to put my GM cap on. I love to play the role of imaginary GM to the point where I tell some people that's one of my part-time jobs. It doesn't pay well, of course, but it's something that I love to do. So uh, if you want to play the role of imaginary GM and you want to throw Giancarlo Stanton's name into the mix, I have absolutely no problem with it. However, I have not heard one single person in this town who's mentioned it talk about a potential Stanton trade uh, with regards to thinking of the fucking rules in Major League Baseball. People throwing out Ben Attendee's name, Deva's name, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s name. I hear you throw out all these kids on the Red Sox 40-man roster, and I'm, I, it's laughable to me because these are people that obviously don't know the rules. Just because Giancarlo Stanton cleared waivers and can be traded to anybody that doesn't mean that the other team that would trade for him can give up whoever they want without that player clearing waivers first. So here's the rule. If the Red Sox wanted to trade for Stanton, they could absolutely engage in conversations with the Miami Marlins right now. They could. They could engage. They could call him and say, we want Stanton. And you got to think, though, the Miami Marlins are going to want something pretty damn good. Giancarlo Stanton, was he 27? He's under contract for the next 10 years after this season, 10 more years after this season. And it's a monster contract. You know, we're talking 30, 25 to 30 million a year. It's, it's certain years. It's a different, it's a different number, but it's around that range. It's a monster deal. 
And um, you got to think because of it all and how good Stanton is, you know, he's been on this roll with home runs recently. Uh, he's a power hitter. And if you're the Marlins, you got to think, well, yeah, we'll move him. We'll entertain it. But we want a King's Ransom. We want a blockbuster package. We want stud young players in return, right? I mean, you would think that's what it would take to get Giancarlo Stanton because they don't have to move him. He's under contract. Uh, you got, you know, the whole new ownership situation going on there. I do not know how that affects it, if that affects it in a positive way, if they want to keep him, or if that affects it in a negative way where they might just want to cut ties with him and, and, and get rid of that lengthy deal that, you know, that ownership group was not a part of when they actually signed Stanton. And seeing that he's 27, uh, maybe this would be the time to do it. I, I have no idea how the new ownership will play a role in their thought process and in, in potentially trade in Stanton. But here's what I know. If they do move him, they're going to want a lot for him. And some of the names that are being thrown out there, you know, you talk about Devis, you talk about Ben Attendee. Um, and again, I'm not telling you I'd move those players for Giancarlo Stanton. But if you want to be realistic with what it would take to get him, I don't think it's crazy to throw those names into the mix with regards to what Miami would want. But here's the biggest problem. Here's the biggest problem. And people are not looking at this logically. They sound like idiots. If the Red Sox were going to trade, and I'm not saying they would, but let's say they were, hypothetically, if they were going to trade someone like Ben Attendee in a package to get Giancarlo Stanton, they would have to put Andrew Ben Attendee, the Red Sox would have to put Ben Attendee on waivers. Do you think Ben Attendee would clear waivers? No, he wouldn't clear waivers. A team would put a claim on him. And since Stanton's in the National League, I mean, that would make it even more difficult to, to, to get Ben Attendee to Miami, right? So um, a team in the American League, my point is a team in the American League would undoubtedly put a claim in on Andrew Ben Attendee. And you, you wouldn't get Ben Attendee to clear waivers. So that means... You would have to pull him back off waivers, and you'd have to wait till the offseason. So you, my point is this with, with Giancarlo Stanton. A trade for Stanton right now would be extremely complicated. It would be extremely complicated. I don't think it's impossible. It's just a lot more complicated than I think people are making it out to be when they throw on their GM caps and they put these imaginary trades together. I like to be realistic when I make these things. I like to be realistic in a sense where a a blockbuster trade would make sense for both teams. If it's going to make sense for the Miami Marlins, in which they give up Giancarlo Stanton, then they're going to need, you know, they're going to need some meat coming back in return. They're not going to just take a a top five prospect who might be great. They want, they're going to want a roster player. I'm telling you, they're going to want to want, they're going to want one of these young kids that the Red Sox have on their major league roster or on their 40-man roster. But again, that's where the complicated part comes in because the Re- if the Red Sox are going to give up one of those players to the Marlins before the 31st of August, then they the Red Sox have to put that player on waivers. And that player would have to clear waivers. And all the young kids that we could talk about in a potential deal for Stanton, not one of them is going to clear waivers. So, it's complicated. A trade for Giancarlo Stanton is complicated, but it's not, impossi- it's not impossible. However, 
It would have to be sneaky as fuck. It would. It would. A trade for Stanton now would be complicated. Um, but it's not impossible. It would just have to be sneaky as fuck. That's basically what it comes down to. And when I say sneaky, what I mean is you can go back to the Dodgers-Red Sox trade in 2012. And you know what trade I'm talking about. It happened after the non-waiver trade deadline. Um, it was a deal that I remember. I, I was covering the Red Sox at the time as a reporter for Comcast Sportsnet New England's website, csnne.com. And I remember, you know, you go through the pregame stuff, and I my duty that day was to go up and to write the pregame notebook. And it was, what, late August? I had to write the pregame notebook for the website, send it to my editor. I was writing the pregame notebook after the pregame clubhouse access. And this stuff started to trickle out, started to get out there on Twitter that a blockbuster deal and a blockbuster trade had been made between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. And the deal was, you remember, Kyle Crawford, Josh Beckett, Adrian Gonzalez, and Nick Punto uh, for James Loney, uh, Alan Webster, uh, Ivan DeJesus Jr. And and now I'm I'm reading that part of it. Um, And then two players to be named later. Okay? The two players to be named later part is important. It's very important because that's where this thing gets sneaky. That's where that trade got sneaky, right? It got, it got extremely sneaky. You got guys clearing waivers. However, you know who didn't clear waivers? Ruby De La Rosa did not clear waivers. Ruby De La Rosa did not clear waivers. So guess what happened? The Dodgers, who were going to send De La Rosa to the Red Sox, he was part of the, uh, the trade that was agreed to. The Dodgers put De La Rosa... On waivers, he got claimed. Dodgers had to pull De La Rosa back off waivers. And they had to come up with an agreement with the Red Sox in which they'd say, after the regular season, we'll trade you De La Rosa. He'll be a player to be named later. De La Rosa was a, one of the top prospects for the Dodgers in their organization. Um, he was on the 40-man roster, though. He got called up. He actually ended up having Tommy John surgery. And... You know, so I think maybe that's why his name was a little bit under the radar when it comes to the player to be named later pot and the sneakiness of it all. But De La Rosa, he was claimed on waivers. He was a young pitcher, top prospect. He wasn't going to clear waivers, but the Red Sox wanted him in that trade. The Dodgers were willing to give him up, but they couldn't give him up before August 31st because he got claimed off waivers. The sneaky pot was... They came to an agreement behind the scenes that said, hey, we'll give you two players to be named later. One of those players to be named later was Ruby De La Rosa. On October 4th, when the regular season was over, they added the two players to be named later. And one of them was Ruby De La Rosa. So that's what a sneaky pot gets in. And I'm not ruling that something like that. I'm not ruling out that something like that happens. You know, I think that would be crazy to rule that out. But it would have to be sneaky. It would. It would have to be very sneaky. And, uh, I, you know, you could try to come up with whatever type of deal possible, but I don't think you're going to be able to add someone like a Ben Attendee. And again, I don't, I'm not saying I'd trade Ben Attendee. I'm not saying I'd trade Devers. I mean, look at how they're swinging the bat right now. Are you crazy? Devers is 20 years old. He looks like he's been in the big leagues for eight years. 
That is insane, the way he's playing, the way he, you know, hits the ball. Um, And, I mean, he's not just pounding fastballs now. Devis is getting off-speed stuff. He's sitting on it. You know, Devis is, and I thought Ben Attendee last year was a mature, you know, sort of cocky player at the plate with regards to he's so confident. You look at him and you start to expect that he's going to come up with a big hit, right? I thought Benatendi was like that. Devis, it's it's even it's even better. So I'm not telling you I'd trade either of those two players. But let's say the Red Sox are willing to to get Stanton. Benatendi or Devis would not clear waivers, and I just think they're too good now. They're too established at the major league level now. Where if they added one of those two guys as a player to be named later, that would look almost too shady, and maybe you'd get the leagues to step in and not allow that to happen. I. I I don't necessarily know, but, you know, what I started to to think about was, all right, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's someone like a, a Swihart, or maybe someone like an Eduardo Rodriguez, maybe, I maybe, you, maybe you could look at one of those two players and say, hey, maybe they could be one of the players to be named later, you know, you could trade Jason Groom. He's their top prospect right now with Devis called up to the big leagues. Groomer's not on the 40-man roster. That's a guy you don't have to put through waivers. You can keep an eye on some of those top prospects that are not on the 40-man roster. But what I think you could also do, and, you know, it, it, it would be interesting to see what the Marlins thought of this, is if you had a package in which you took someone like Jason Groom and, and you said, you know what, we'll put him in this deal for Stanton. But we're also going to give you David Price, because David Price is going to clear waivers. If you put David Price on waivers, he would clear waivers. He's got, um, what, the five years left on this deal after this season. He's making $31 million a year. He's 31 years old. Right now he's injured. He might need Tommy John. I don't know. But... I think for a minute, if you put the injury aside and say that he's not going to need that surgery and he'll be able to bounce back later this year or even next year, pumping it in at 95, if you're the Marlins, would you, you know, you got to ask yourself this question. Would you rather be paying Giancarlo Stanton until he's 37 years old and paying him 30 million, 25 to 30 million a year for the next 10 years until he's 37 or would you rather be paying a pitcher in David Price only for the next five years at $30 million until Price is 36 years old? I, I think it's a serious question the Marlins might want to ask themselves because, you know, that's sort of the salary swap, you could call it. And if you were also getting a top prospect pitcher in return, maybe even another top prospect from the Red Sox, and then even a player to be named later who was currently on the Red Sox 40-man roster that was also a decent enough name and a big enough name that would make this a sneaky trade. Um, well, then maybe you got something. My point is, you gotta ha- if you're going to get Stanton, if you're going to trade for him, you got to be sneaky. It's complicated. Wave a deadline process is complicated. I hear a lot of people talking about it as if this is going to be the easiest thing. All you got to do is add Ben Attendee or, or, you know, or Bradley. or No, those guys are not clearing waivers. So unless they're sneakily added as a player to be named later, which again, I, I don't even think they, the Red Sox should do or would do, 
with one with a with a pen attendee. You know, I, I I think that it's too complicated to happen right now. If you are gonna make a move for Stanton, more likely to happen in the offseason this winter. That's where I'd say it'd be more likely. But um it would make sense for the Red Sox to to obviously entertain it, to obviously make an attempt. Who knows? Put a couple of people on waivers, see what happens. But um you know, maybe you could talk Miami into some type of salary swap with a price if you're adding a couple top prospects and maybe one of your players to be named later is somebody that is one of these big-name young players that's, that's on the team right now. Again, would have to make sense to Major League Baseball. They'd have to okay it. But, um, you know, I, I think shadier things maybe have happened still to make a move for Stanton. It would have to be sneaky. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not expecting it to happen before August 31st. So if this is the team the Red Sox have here down the stretch, uh, you got to feel confident because you know you got Chris Sale at the top of the rotation. You got to feel confident because you know you have Craig Kimberl as your closer. You got to feel confident because you know you've added some depth. Rafael Devers, you know, you got Eduardo Nunez, who's playing second base with Pedroia out. Um, Mookie Betts at the walk-off home run last night. Excuse me, the walk-off line drive to left field uh, against St. Louis. You know, you get in Xander Bogots is now starting to hit the ball. And as I told you in my column, and I did write a column last week for the Metro, even though I told you I was I was off the off the grid. I was able to get a column done early in the week that was in print later in the week last week, and it was on Xander Bogots. And and my point was very clear. You cannot give up on Xander Bogots. As much as he was struggling post-All-Star break, when you look at this kid who's still in his early to mid-20s and hit 300 the last two seasons, what are you, 320 two years ago, hit 290-something last year, this is not a kid that you can give up on. I don't care what type of slump he's going through. So I'm glad they stuck with him, and here he is now, uh, you know, basically doing what I expect Xander Bogots to do, which is bounce back. And the Red Sox right now are a team that, you know, they got it going. And if the playoffs began today, the Red Sox would still be playing the Cleveland Indians in the ALDS. Uh, But the Red Sox would get the home field advantage against Cleveland, something they did not have last year against the Indians, so maybe that would make a difference. Also, maybe Chris Sale and his presence would make a difference in that series. Outside of that, though, I still don't think the Red Sox match up very well against Cleveland and their rotation and the depth they have in their rotation, but we'll see. Maybe the home field would would give them something, and if the playoffs began today, Houston, the Astros with 74 wins, they would play the winner of a Yankees-Angels one-game wildcard playoff. So that's the way uh, the American League plays out. The National League, if the playoffs began today, the Cubs would be going to Washington to take on the Nationals in the ALDS. It would be the Cubs and the Nationals there, and the Dodgers with 85 wins. 85 wins for the Dodgers. They would be playing the winner of the Rockies and Diamondbacks in their one-game wild-card playoff that would take place in Colorado. So that's a look at the standings. That's sort of getting you caught up on what I've missed and what I've needed to react to in the baseball world, and most, more specifically with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so I'll keep my eye on the Sox. 
Keep my eye on this Yankee series this weekend at Fenway. I am on the radio all weekend long, Saturday and Sunday on WEEI 93.7 FM here in Boston. Um, Saturday, 3 o'clock. And then Sunday, I believe I am on Sunday after the afternoon game against the Yankees. So we'll be talking some Red Sox over the weekend on WEEI. Please join me for that. But moving on from baseball, we are getting closer to the National Football League season. We're in the middle of the preseason now. The Patriots played their first preseason game last Thursday at home against Jacksonville. They'll have preseason game number two this Saturday night. They are in Houston to take on the Texans. Uh, And then you'll get the big preseason game, which is next Friday in Detroit against the Lions. And then the fourth and final preseason game, which is sort of the dud and nobody plays in this one, right? It's at home Thursday, August 31st against the New York Giants with week one. We are three weeks away from week one. Three weeks from today, week one, Patriots host the Kansas City Chiefs at Gillette Stadium. They'll be raising the banner this game. Uh, Thursday night football on NBC, prime time. And yeah, the Patriots are still a nine-point favorite in this one. So fired up about some football, but around the league, the big story right now is Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys running back. And, and this is going to affect the way you... Uh, are going to pick Ezekiel Elliott in your upcoming fantasy football draft, if you have one. But on a more serious note, Ezekiel Elliott suspended six games uh, for a domestic violence incident in 2016. And, you know, when you see the six-game suspension, my original thought is, all right, you came down hard with the suspension, six games, Uh, these are the issues that I want you to dish out suspensions for. Not the air pressure in football or anything that has to do with PSIs in the football. Don't suspend people for that. Suspend people and come down hard on guys that are involved in any type of domestic violence incident. Ezekiel Elliott, again, suspended six games. Now, he's going to appeal this. Apparently, Roger Goodell will not hear the appeal. And I have a problem with that. He, because Goodell did not hear the appeal for Greg Hardy. And Greg Hardy's suspension got knocked down from 10 games to four games. You know, we've done this. I've had a pro- I had a problem with that. I think Roger Goodell, if he wants to be the judge, jury, and executioner, for one thing, he should be the judge, jury, executioner for everything. And here's what we want. We want them to take domestic violence seriously. And the only way I see them taking it seriously is not just the suspension dished out, but also the commissioner who dished out the suspension to sit in the goddamn fucking appeal. I don't think that's such a big deal. Goodell should be doing this. Apparently he won't. Uh, So I have a problem with that. Now, when you do get into the appeal, I think this is where it's going to get interesting. Because when we talk about we want the NFL to get this stuff right and we want them to go after guys involved in domestic violence situations, I also want them to get the guys, you know, accused of domestic violence situations, I want the league to get it to get that right with regards to, did this actually happen? And I think this is where this one gets interesting because unless I'm wrong, and again, I'm still trying to get caught up in all this shit, unless I'm wrong, I don't think there's any type of video evidence that we had with the, you know, the Ray Rice elevator situation 
Or, you know, there was, remember the pictures that came out with Greg Hardy's girlfriend when she was thrown onto a bed full of guns and, right, those pictures were just horrible. It's like, okay, this obviously happened. Like, we have the evidence for it. With this Ezekiel Elliott situation, uh, apparently Ezekiel Elliott's camp says, Ezekiel Elliott's camp says it has evidence that his ex-girlfriend, who was accusing him of domestic assault, Elliot's camp says it has evidence that this ex-girlfriend sent text messages to a friend and encouraged the friend to lie to police about the domestic assault incident in 2016. You know, if they have that evidence and they have those texts, I would say that's some pretty damning evidence going against the ex-girlfriend who's accusing Ezekiel Elliott of domestic violence. Also, um, the ex-girlfriend... According to Ezekiel Elliott's camp, the ex-girlfriend was trying to ruin his career. And Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott's camp has proof that she was trying to do this. Or at least she was telling people this. So, that's I don't know. That seems like something I I think that the commissioner would want to listen to at least. But he apparently doesn't. Uh, So, we'll see how this all plays out. Look, we we just want them to get it right. I'm glad they are focusing their attention on domestic violence more than the air pressure in footballs. Like, if you told me right now that Aaron Rodgers was caught, you know, deflating footballs last year uh, at the end of the year, then I'd say, who cares? Stay away from it. You know, focus on the things that are important. You know, and the domestic violence issue, which has seemingly been a big issue in this league, focus on that and come down hard on that, not the air pressure in a football. So I'm glad... You know, they are focusing on this type of of situation. With that said, you also hope that they get it right. You know, you also hope that they don't just suspend a guy for a situation that never even happened and somebody else was lying about. And, you know, that, that, that in a court they really didn't have enough evidence for. So, I mean, I'm glad they're focusing on it but we should all want them to get it right at the same time. But I think this is sort of one of those wait and see what is the evidence that Elliot's camp has if it's what we're hearing they have. Well, you know, I, I think that it's certainly something to think about, but something I want the commissioner to fucking think about, right? And apparently he's not going to do that. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out. So there's a look into the NFL and some of the top stories there. As I told you, a week from Saturday, we got the Mayweather-McGregor fight. The news there is that they're both going to wear eight-ounce gloves. Now, I heard some people complaining about this. You got to know that before you complain and you say, oh, he's fa- they're favoring one side more than the other, both sides asked for the one-time exception. Now, here's the rule. The rule states that 10-ounce gloves must be worn for any fight above 147 pounds. This fight, Mayweather-McGregor, is going to be fought at 154, which is above 147, so the rule is that they should be wearing 8-ounce, excuse me, they should be wearing 10-ounce gloves. Mayweather-McGregor both asked for a one-time exception and asked to wear 8-ounce, not 10, 8. And they were granted that. They will wear 8-ounce gloves. What are people complaining about? Why is there a fucking complaint here? Shut up. They both want to wear them. Let them wear them. I don't have a problem with it. If they don't have a problem with it, neither should you. They're going to wear the 8-ounce gloves. And uh, we'll see how it all goes down. It's a week from Saturday. I don't think McGregor 
stands a chance. I think Mayweather is going to win this fight due to fatigue. Mayweather's going to win due to fatigue more than anything. And and maybe maybe Mayweather knocks him out with that fatigue. And when I say fatigue, I mean McGregor's going to be fatigued. Conor McGregor does not go into the 6th, 7th, 8th round. Okay? He doesn't. In fact, he barely even goes into the 4th or the 5th. So, this is going to be a, I think, uh, the type of fight where Mayweather's going to do what he does. And if he does what he does, he's going to take this thing the distance. Or at least he's going to take it deep into the fight with his defense. And at that point, you know, McGregor, who's probably going to be trying to strike early and often... I think he's gonna. I think McGregor is gonna be toast by the sixth, seventh, eighth round, and that's where Mayweather's really gonna win the fight. And maybe even Mayweather might even knock him out at that point. McGregor might be so toast. So uh, that's how I think it's gonna go down. Mayweather's gonna win this fight, and but I'll watch. You know, I'll watch. I'll definitely watch. I'll also be watching SummerSlam this Sunday. It's in Brooklyn. Um, it's funny. You know, I come back from. Uh, I, I come back from vacation here and, you know, I got to write a couple columns. I do a thing sort of smaller in the South Boston Today newspaper, which is it's available every in every store in Southie and even down the waterfront area. I'm on, it's in the back page down there. It, it, it's sometimes related to the show with where I take interviews that I have and we transcribe a couple different portions of it and we we throw it in print. And it gets people to maybe come back and listen to the whole interview. Uh, but where I haven't had a show in a couple of weeks and been on vacation and been out of town, I didn't have that interview to sort of transcribe and, and throw in print and, and throw into words for you. So I gave my SummerSlam preview. That's right. I gave a SummerSlam preview. And then I had to write my column for the Boston Metro, obviously. And I, I do that usually a day after I write my South Boston Today column. And uh, I had written the SummerSlam preview. And I was, you know, I watched Raw. I watched SmackDown a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? I have another wrestling take, a wrestling thought, a wrestling column that I've wanted to write about for a little bit. And it was about Kenny Omega. And if you listen to this show, you know that I've told you many times, Kenny Omega, who is a superstar in New Japan pro wrestling, um, he's Canadian born. He speaks both English. He's fluent in English and Japanese. He's the leader of this group called the Bullet Club, which is as close as you're going to find to the NWO. And, uh, he's the best in the biz, in my opinion, in, in the entire wrestling industry, WWE included. Kenny Omega is the best in the biz in the ring, on the mic, selling merchandise. I think that this guy is the best. And uh, I've been telling you this for a little bit now. Well, Kenny Omega, they have this G1 tournament, G1 Climax in New Japan. It's this vicious, grueling tournament. And uh, Omega won it last year, and it gets him a a world title shot at Wrestle Kingdom, which is New Japan's version of WrestleMania. And that was in this past January. Omega, who they were giving a huge push to, obviously, did not win that match, and some speculated that New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time was hesitant to give Kenny Omega their prestigious heavyweight championship, which is very prestigious. They don't throw that thing around like they do the WWE championship. 
Uh, they were not going to give Omega that belt because of the thought that maybe he would jump ship soon to the WWE. And um, it was interesting. You know, you think about it. You watch more of them. And you're like, this guy should be in the WWE. Apparently, he's refused to go for whatever reason. Well, he's a superstar in New Japan. They basically give him what, what I've heard Stone Cold Steve Austin describe as the green light push, which is you're great on the mic. Uh, you're great in the ring. Do, do you be you be your character. We're not going to, we're not going to script this as much as we would. Maybe some other guys, we want you to have the green light. If you go off script, if you start bringing up possible real life stuff, which is, I think sometimes what you saw with a guy like CM Punk, right? Uh, and you see it every so often, but Kenny Omega is great at it. If you watch him. You know, they give him the green light push. I think he loves it. I think he he thrives under that, and he obviously enjoys it, but that's what he gets in New Japan Pro. Well, they had the G1 Climax again this year, and it ended last weekend. Kenny Omega was in the finals, and he lost. So he's not going to get the next heavyweight championship shot. And it's, I think, another, another example that New Japan Pro is hesitant to give him that push and give him that title because they think he's possibly jumping to the WWE, which if it happens, you would think it's going to happen for the Royal Rumble, which is this upcoming January. But uh, I saw that this weekend, and I thought once again, Omega, wow, maybe they think he's going to WWE. Maybe he, maybe he is going to go. Summer Slams this weekend. You know, you watch the WWE product. It can be tough to watch at times. I think the WWE lacks the guy with the in-ring skills combined with the microphone skills that has the potential to be a superstar in the business. WWE lacks that guy. Look, they have the guy who can can perform in the ring. They have that guy. But those guys, eh, they're not great on the mic. They have the guys who are great on the mic. But in the ring, it's like, eh, you know, it's just not there. You know, the guys like Stone Cold, the guys like The Rock. You think of those things, and you wonder, when is that next guy going to be there? Well, I got news for you. And I wrote it in my column for the Boston Metro this week. So, yeah, I did write two wrestling columns this week. Kenny Omega is that guy. And when we watch SummerSlam this weekend, my point is to look at that and go, they're missing something. And what they're missing is what I'm trying to tell you they're missing. It's Kenny Omega. So, um... You know, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I think that when they don't have Omega win the G1 Climax again and end up get, getting that title shot again at Wrestle Kingdom, I think that maybe we could read into that a little bit to see what could go down. But until that happens, you got to talk about the product you have right now. And uh, the product that you have right now is, you know, it's an interesting one, and, and, and there are a couple things that I'll be looking for Sunday night. One of them is, I don't know, we could see, and this is my opinion, but we could see a possible Shield reunion. The Shield, you know, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins broke that up, you know, with the steel chair in the ring. He joined the authority, and, uh, you know, Rollins then, he got the big push. Cashed in money in the bank of WrestleMania, won the title. Uh, he, you know, he was Triple H's guy. 
And and then he had a couple knee injuries, which set him back. And I think it set WWE creative back where you're not giving him the big push maybe he once had. Well, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are teaming up in a tag team championship match at SummerSlam, and I think they could win those belts. And if they win those belts, then there's something going on. That match is going to take place before, you would think, before the what I believe to be the main event, the four-way, the fatal four-way match for the Universal Championship, Brock Lesnar, who's the champ, versus Roman Reigns, versus Samoa Joe, versus Braun Strowman. This is an interesting match because the fatal four-way, Brock Lesnar can lose the title even if he's not pinned. So any of these four guys, like Roman Reigns, for example, Roman Reigns could pin Samoa Joe. And if there's a three count there, Roman Reigns wins the championship and the match is over. So with that, the the stipulation that Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman, what, what they came out and said a couple weeks ago on, on Raw, was that if Brock Lesnar loses, so even if someone else is pinned, if Brock Lesnar loses, he will leave the WWE. And I think they're setting us up for... Lesnar going to UFC and fighting John Jones. There's no coincidence that before they made that stipulation, John Bones Jones won his fight against Daniel Cormier in the UFC a couple weeks ago. And after the fight, John Jones came out and said, I want the super fight and I want Brock Lesnar. Well, when this stipulation then comes out that if Brock Lesnar loses, he'll leave the WWE. That basically tells me he's going to lose and he's going to the UFC to fight John Jones. But then you get into, well, who's going to win? I don't think they're making Samoa Joe the champ at SummerSlam. I definitely don't think Braun Strowman's the guy. It's going to be Roman Reigns. But what would make it interesting is if the Shield wins the tag team titles earlier in the night, and obviously Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, the storyline there is that they made up. Well, maybe they help Roman Reigns win the championship. And then you get a Shield reunion And isn't that one hell of a reunion when they have the Universal title and the tag team titles on Raw the very next night? That's something I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. That's my prediction, how that's going to go down. Um, But that said, I do think that the largest pup of the night is going to be when Shinsuke Nakamura beats Jinder Mahal for the WWE Championship. I kind of think this storyline has been, it's been a kind of a, sketchy storyline, right? But Nakamura, they're giving him a push. Obviously not great on the mic, but when he, he's got the entrance that people love, and I love it, he's got the music that people love, and he's got sort of the, without talking on the mic, he's got the personality with his body language, but he's also strong style. He came from New Japan Pro. Much like when I talk about Kenny Omega, the strong style stuff, the hard knees to the face, dropping guys on people's necks. Like, they do that stuff in New Japan. Not something you're really used to in the WWE as as, as much as them. Nakamura is a guy people love, and, and I think he's going to win the championship tonight, and I think that's going to be the biggest pop of the night. So those are a couple things that I will be looking for on Sunday, SummerSlam in Brooklyn, and whatever happens there, Whatever happens with the Red Sox-Yankees over the weekend, whatever happens, you know, in the NFL rumor mill, 
I will react to it all on Monday. You can get this podcast wherever you want, right? Anywhere podcasts are available. But if you're looking for places, go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast One, download their app, and uh, also available at dannypicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm out. Talk to you Monday. <laughs>